Okay, we'll come back to some tech earnings in a moment. Let's go back to our uplifting economic story of the day. A big new home sales beat that invigorated the beaten down home builders. Can it last? How much more juice do we have left to squeeze from the housing market? Joining us, Brad Dillman is the chief economist at Cortland and uh, formerly an economist in the home building space as well. Uh, Brad, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. Nice to be with you. And so this number this morning was a pretty big surprise. Uh, is it uh, potentially something we can see on repeat or is the top end as uh, mortgage rates have been spiking? I'll go with the latter on that. I think uh, there's no doubt that these higher mortgage rates are going to be felt in the single family side, largely in the sense of slowing home price appreciation. But of course, that's going to affect the builders and housing starts in general. Uh, something we did see in this, of course, is higher multifamily starts. Uh, and I think there's definitely the case to be made that as these mortgage rates go up, we're going to see more consumer rotation to renting alternatives. So uh, the numbers that we're getting uh, are largely of uh, been COVID-dependent uh, to some degree. Uh, there was a lot of uh, uh, moving out of cities, the huge demand, the influx of personal income rates that went up, and people made more money, uh, asset prices went up. Should we put housing in uh, the COVID-specific category? Ooh, I don't know how much I want to call it a COVID-specific category, as it was really just the dynamics with interest rates, which themselves, of course, were, were COVID-related. Like, look, there's no doubt that people were moving to get out of cities and this kind of thing, but they really couldn't do that uh, without financing and the way that they'd had it. All that was built off of a 10-year Treasury rate that was negative in real terms for a couple of years, and it looks like it's finally gone positive, and again, in real terms. Uh, the impact of this on mortgage rates and therefore marginal affordability is going to be pretty intense. One thing we can see at the same time, too, though, is what's happened in the urban cores specifically as it relates to rent growth. Rents had come down a, a real lot in, in certain gateway markets and in urban core areas. I always quote downtown Boston because I used to live there. It was down 24% year over year at its worst. That's really starting to attract some people back into the cities. We think about how much rents have climbed in the periphery. And then now that, that those are up and what was in the city is down, that people are you know starting to make this trade-off of moving in. I think something else that's going to factor into that is inflation in general. You've got energy costs hurting people's pockets, you've got inflation in general, and you've got really wage growth that's not actually keeping up with inflation. And so I think we might see some downsizing. Mm. Uh, the uh, potential here for the supply situation to offset some of that is the bull case, I guess, then, that uh, even if rates go up, there's still people who have been uh, waiting, haven't been able to get a house where if maybe somebody else drops out, maybe it doesn't look as affordable, somebody comes in. I mean, is there a trade-off there as... Um, People might be uh, still waiting in the wings to purchase, even if uh, the cost goes up. Yeah, there's no doubt the demand is strong, but I think the real question is, is can they do it? Uh, and if you look at these mortgage rates, the way they've moved, I mean, you could take a, call it a $500,000 mortgage, you know, a 3.25 30-year fixed interest rate compared to 5%, that's a difference of about $500 per month. That's pretty significant. Uh, so as much as people may want it, they do have to be able to afford it. They might be able to migrate continue moving to even these you know, very small towns in the country if they can work remotely. But I think in general, we're going to look at a, at a rapid slowdown in home price appreciation that really is sourced from this drastic decline in mortgage affordability. We'll feel these impacts over the remainder of the year and into next year, in my opinion. And then I think we'll see it in the rental space. It's a very bullish indicator of activity in that space. And that's the last point that I want to make sure we get to, because as we're looking at inflation metrics, a lot of people expect rent prices to be the next one to boom. Is that what we're going to see? Is that the trade-off? Housing uh, uh, sales start to slow, suddenly rent's looking pretty nice? 
Yeah, and, and no doubt we've already seen rents boom in some parts of the country very significantly. Uh, the New York Fed just released their survey of consumer expectations and consumers were reporting an expectation that rents would go up 11.5% over this year. I think that's a number that looks pretty realistic, even as we consider that the uh, consumer sometimes is a, leading, or a lagging indicator. Uh, but suffice it to say, we're looking at some strong rent growth, but that too is ultimately going to be uh, really backstopped by the kind of income growth that we're going to see. Uh, and we have to just see just how strong that continues when we think about just how far rents can climb and how much people can save and then afford in terms of housing when we think about these higher mortgage rates. All right, uh, Brad, thanks uh, for the thoughts here. Uh, looking forward to more here. Uh, welcome you back and continuing the conversation. Appreciate you joining. Thank you. You got it, Brad Dillman, Chief Economist at Cortland. Coming up.